This is Travis J. Vernon, and welcome to today's podcast. I have a guest with me for this one. Jared Larry Vernon is here with me to tell some stories. Jared is my younger brother by about five years. Well, just short of five years, four and a half. We spent a lot of time together in our youth, fighting, playing video games, making forts, building massive battles with army men and G.I. Joe and Star Wars action figures, fishing, hunting, and spending time in the outdoors. He spent the last 15 years as a sheriff's deputy and now works for the state of Utah. Some of my favorite memories have been with my brother. Let's tell some stories. So there we are. So one of my favorite stories involved being at my grandparents' house. They had this huge rope swing. Now, by huge rope swing, it must have been six inches in diameter with a giant knot at the bottom. And the rope was attached to a log, which was 30 or 40 feet up in a cottonwood tree. And we would get up on the ditch bank, which was 15 feet above the ground, run down the ditch bank, and swing on this knot as high as we could go. Well, one day, Jared decides he wants to get on it. And I get to the top of the ditch. And I run down as fast as I can and I push him. And he goes all the way up into the tree. And you can see the leaves just like, shh. <laughs> and then he comes back out. He's like, that was cool. Let's do it again. We walk back up the hill. He gets on the knot. We run down the hill. And up into the trees he goes again. And I'm watching him to come back out of the trees when all of a sudden I see the rope go off through the trees. And I hear this, boom. Ow. <laughs> so I'm not really sure how it happened, but the rope broke at the top, and he fell. I don't know. How far did you fall? Oh, geez. This rope has been attached to this rope swing for years, and this is something that everybody in the family did. Our sisters, friends, everybody would come over, and we'd get on the rope swing, and, and we'd swing on out, and it'd go clear on out almost to a little fort that we'd built, this treehouse oh, fort yeah, the tree that we built up in, up in the Cottonwoods. And I was not a very big kid. And so everybody else had been going on the rope swing this day. I mean, everybody else is going, people that are much larger than myself, including, I want to say, our uncle. Oh, yeah. Even went on it a couple times. And so when it was my turn, I was super excited, really happy. Travis was giving me this just awesome kind of launch with the, with the rope. And then that second time, he pushes me out. Everything's going great. The rope's climbing and climbing. I get right to that, right to that point where, you know, you have that moment of uh, kind Wait, of zero is... gravity f sensation, and it never came. And I go up to the point and I hear the snap, and I just keep going. I just keep going, <laughs> and I I have a moment of expecting to somehow swing back, but I just kept flying, and then I realized what was happening, and I just let out a yell, and I hit the ground so hard. I remember I just kind of curled around, you know, just hugging the rope. Travis came running up, are you okay? Are you okay? How'd you break the rope? <laughs> <laughs> like it was somehow my fault that I broke the rope swing. It, well, <laughs> you were the one on it when it broke. Therefore, it's your fault. <laughs> so another funny Jared falling from a high altitude. <laughs> we had a deck on our house and it blows all the time 
whether you're Southwest Wyoming or where we grew up in Utah. And the wind would hit the house and then blow down the side of the house with an extreme amount of force. It was great, great for kites. Oh, yeah. Absolutely great for kites. You we have had, no place better to fly a kite. Yeah, we had a lot of fun flying kites. And, and I think that's probably what kind of initiated this thought process. I'm sure it did. <laughs> so my dad has a couple of parachutes that my older sisters, when they were at track and things like that, we'd tie out the parachutes and it worked as a, as a giant sunscreen. So everybody could hang out under this massive parachute. So Jared and I decide one day, because the end of the deck, this is before, you know, fancy Trex decks and things like that. And it was a redwood deck. And the end of it, where it was constantly battered by the wind, had deteriorated and fallen off. The lattice, all the lattice. The lattice was, was gone. gone. So there was and the frame. There was the, the wood Well, there frame. wasn't the top rail, That's but true. there was the base the, rail. The bottom. So there was a base rail up about six inches off the bottom of the deck. So we get this idea that if we take <laughs> all the cords of the parachute and separate them in half and tie a knot on the one end and a knot on the other end, we were going to have this strength test. So Jared grabs the one knot and braces his feet against this six-inch rail <laughs> and the main post against the house. And I brace my feet against the other post and the rail and I hold the other knot. So then the wind comes and it's kind of like a giant spinnaker on a sailboat. It blows down the house. We lift up the ropes. The wind catches the parachute and there's this big whomp. <laughs> and when you when that happened, there was so much power. We would hold on to see who could hold on the longest and whoever let go was the loser. And then you got to understand too. Remember that there's a there's an almost five year difference between Travis and I, and so where right now there's not a big difference in size. When we were younger, there was a much bigger difference because now I think Travis was around twelve or thirteen years old, which would have put me, you know, eight or maybe nine tops. So <laughs> we're we're holding the rope, and this big gust of wind comes up. And there's this big whoomp. But then it feels like he lets go. And I look out as the parachute tightens straight away. Jared's still holding on to the rope. <laughs> so he's 20 feet off the ground holding on to the end of the parachute. He'd gotten ripped off the deck by the power of the wind. And I saw his eyeballs. And his eyeballs were giant. So he's looking back at me and you can see the sheer panic in his face. And I'm like, well, this isn't going to end well. And it ends even worse because he just lets go. <laughs> he has that moment of now what? And he just lets go. So he falls from about, I don't know, how to be 15, 16 feet. Yeah, at least. Well, it was from the second story. So I figured that he was just going to hold on to the end of the rope. I mean, it would have slowed his descent a little <laughs> bit, maybe. You know, it's, it's no wonder that I don't like heights. Well, I don't think any of us like heights geez, in our family. Because there we were, that wind hit, and we're sitting on our butts on the on the deck, and we've got our legs braced against this bottom railing. And I was doing everything I could, everything my little eight or nine year old body could do, just to like try to, you know, be as hold on to this parachute and and uh, just be as as tough as my older brother and everything. And and I just could not do it. 
that wind was way too powerful and it just ripped me right off of that deck right over top of the railing and i just went flying out and i'm holding on to this rope and i look back at travis because i could not hold on to this rope anymore and i look back and i knew what was going to happen and i was just like and i just let go and just fell just fell like a rock just right down on just this bare piece of ground and again you know i kind of curled up into a ball after falling after falling so far and Travis, you know, ran down from the deck and everything. And he's like, are you okay? I'm like, you know, barely was able to breathe out. Yeah, I'm okay. You know, my wind's knocked out. And, and Travis said, want to do it again? <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun game, though. It was. It was a fun game. I wonder who would win game. now. We should do that. That'd be a lot of fun. Just reminded me of another time. What's that? When you and I were up on the garage holding the uh, surgical cord. Oh, when we talked mom into shooting water balloons. Dude, that was hilarious. So Travis and I built this water balloon launcher, and we had built lots of water balloon launchers over the over the course of our youth. But this one was epic. And this one was, we were both in our 20s. And we had built this incredibly large water balloon launcher and it was so large that Travis and I got on the roof of our garage and were braced up at the very pinnacle of the roof, braced up there. And we talked our mother, who was the sweetest person in the world, we had talked her into coming out and helping us launch some water balloons. We told her that we were aiming at a target that was a safe target so that she would participate with us. But where she was, because she was clear down on the ground, she couldn't see where the water balloons were going. And so Travis and I were the ones that were telling her to either go left or right or, or, or how to, you know, when to let go. back to let go. <laughs> we were trying to hit the dump trucks coming out of the gravel pit. <laughs> and so here we have the kindest, sweetest person in the world, and we've tricked her into helping us try to hit these dump trucks with water balloons. And we're talking, these are hundreds of yards away. And that we're, thing would launch. Oh, it was, a, it was great. It was amazing. And so she would pull it back and pull it back, and these water balloons would launch clear down. And like I said, I mean, a good couple football fields, they're launching down, and we're aiming for these big dump trucks. And we had a ball. We, that we was just, so much fun. We were laughing. And then, and then <laughs> when Mom found out. Oh, yeah, she was not pleased. No, 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 she was. Uh, she was not happy that we were actually trying to hit people and hit trucks. And <laughs> <laughs> we never succeeded. Close. We came close. really close, though, but we didn't actually succeed. She's always made sure that she uh, knows exactly what we're aiming at now from now on. Oh, yeah. She was super nice. We could talk her into lots of stuff. Once. But usually <laughs> only once. But we were good kids. In Japan, we used to play all the time, too. And in Japan, it was kind of weird because I was only eight to nine. We moved back to the States when just before I turned 10 years old. So then that you had to have been mm-hmm. you know, five yeah. to yeah. six. Yep. So that's craziness. In Japan, we got all the cool stuff before everybody else did because Power Rangers were super cool when we were there. We came back to the States and nobody even knew what Power Rangers were. Oh, and Transformers. Oh, yeah. Nobody had Transformers. Mm-hmm. Robotech. I mean, all that kind of stuff. That yeah. was all... Gundam. Mm-hmm. Nobody had that. 
and everybody just thought we were fools for even talking about it. Yeah, they had no idea. They had no idea what we were talking about, and yet, I mean, look at how huge these things are now. We actually had some pretty fun times sumo wrestling. Now, ah, I can't even believe we're going to talk about this. <laughs> so everybody has to understand that sumo wrestling in Japan is huge. It's, it's a national sport. It's televised. People follow it more religiously than people follow football or any other sport here in the States. It was always on TV. We're very young and impressionable. We're like, hey, let's do some sumo wrestling. So we strip down to our whitey tights. <laughs> and we make a ring with rolled up blankets. <laughs> and then to get the full effect of the sumo outfit, we pull our whitey tighties up our butt cracks. Because <laughs> any good sumo wrestler has his uniform, has his sporting equipment really cranked up his crack. That's just how it goes. <laughs> and so we're doing the same thing. We're taking our we're taking our tidy whities and we are just getting it in there. Ah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then and, and then, then our sisters would referee while we would uh <laughs> while we would play sumo. <laughs> yeah. They thought it was funny. I think it's funny now. That's one of those things that I'm not gonna say we should do that again. No. So one of the worst experiences of our entire life, and I say our because this is a story that deeply affected us both. And it was perpetrated by this super nice person that we were talking about earlier, our mother. Unbeknownst <laughs> to her. So at some point we were given a Grover doll. Grover from Sesame Street. And it had these gigantic white eyes. And it didn't matter how dark the room was these eyeballs would be staring at you. You'd wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, and all you could see were Grover eyeballs. And it was terrifying. So we had this small chest of drawers with a bookshelf on top of it, and the Grover doll was always in the top of the bookshelf, at the very, very top, in the corner. Because we would never play with the Grover doll. That's, that's important, because Grover just stayed up on the shelf, because we were so terrified of this stuffed Grover doll and we would never willingly touch this doll well every evening <laughs> it became this rock paper scissors tournament to see who the person was that was going to turn the Grover doll around so it was facing the wall so it wouldn't look at you and every single morning the Grover doll was looking at you we would go to bed, Grover would be facing the wall. We would wake up, Grover wasn't facing the wall, which made it even scarier for a couple young boys. Now, we should also say that we had a trundle <clears throat> bed, which is one of Jared's favorite things. Oh, I hate that bed. I would wake up first thing in the morning to go watch cartoons on a Saturday morning, and I would get out of bed, and he'd still be sound asleep because he still sleeps super sound mm -hmm. when he's actually asleep. <laughs> And I would slowly push the trundle bed in. Now, if you don't know what a trundle bed is, it's kind of like a giant drawer with another mattress under top bed. So instead of having like a top bunk, bottom bunk, you pull out the bottom bunk for another bed, but then you can push it in and it saves space. A lot of people use it for storage, like they'll put blankets and things like that, but you can use it for another bed. Well, we had this futon mattress in there, so it crunched down quite a ways. Mm -hmm. So if I was careful, I could push the trundle bed back under and 
essentially locked Jared in the bed. <laughs> I hated, hated waking up and I'd, I'd just be trapped because I would have just a few inches from the front of my face to the bottom of the bed where my brother slept. And so I'm, I'm basically in a drawer, just like Travis said. I'm basically in a drawer as I'm laying there. And I have to not panic, but I would. I mean, I'm, you know, five. I'd get upset and I'd yell and, and I'd be able to just get my drawer open a little bit and I'd get my fingers out and then I'd slowly be able to just, you know, kind of wedge my fingers and slowly pull the, pull the drawer out and pull and pull and pull and finally, finally I'd be able to get out. I'd go downstairs all sorts of upset. And Travis would be watching cartoons, eating his cereal for the morning. And, of course, we'd be watching whatever cartoons he wanted to watch because he got there first because I was stuck, (laughs) tucked in in the trundle bed. The Grover thing went on for the entire time we were in Japan, Mm -hmm. two years. Then from Japan, we come back to the States, and we're in California, and Grover's still occurring, and we hate it. And we're, we're a little older now. But we still hate it. It's still evil. Mm-hmm. I still hate Grover. Yeah. It's, he's still evil. Then we move to Utah when Dad retired from the Navy. And there's still Grover. Well, and we were old enough that we tried to make sure Grover didn't make the move from California to Utah. We were like, it's time for Grover to die. Well, we tried so, to kill Grover <clears throat> in Japan. We did, yeah. So I hung Grover off of the banister rail <laughs> over the stairs one night, tied a rope around his neck, threw him off the thing, like, okay, this has to end. And then in the middle of the night, I was hungry, and I went down to the fridge, and as I was walking down the stairs, the Grover doll hit me right in the face. <laughs> oh, I forgot that it was there. But these moves, we would make sure that Grover, when we were packing our toys and everything else, we would make sure that Grover was not in our toys, and we would stash him somewhere in the house. You know, because we're, we're old enough to realize that if we don't bring him, he's not going to be with us, but we're not old enough to kind of really dispose of this doll. And so we didn't pack him. We get to California, we get our room, we're unpacking all of our stuff, open up the toy box right on top. There's Grover. Freaks us out. So then we go through the whole big thing again where Grover's up on the, on the shelf, the light that comes through the window from the streetlights and everything from outside. His eyes, it it was almost like they were glow-in-the-dark. And they were just the creepiest, most hauntingly evil eyes that you can imagine a doll can have. And even when you're tucked underneath your blankets, you know that this doll is still looking at you. And so so every night, whoever is last in bed or, or whatever happens... The last person has to try to turn Grover. And so when we'd reach up and we'd, we'd hit him down or we'd flip him down, whatever, so these eyes wouldn't look at us. And every single morning we would wake up and he'd be right where he was, just staring at us. And so when we finally got to Utah, we're like, awesome. He's not with us anymore. And then we unpacked and there he was with all of our stuff. We had had enough. So at this point we decide... We're going to destroy this doll. We took it outside, and we threw it in the trash can. We get home from school, and there's the Grover doll on the shelf. So then we're even more freaked out. Some time goes by. We get enough courage. Now we're going to dismember the Grover doll. And we take Grover doll out, cut it up, 
into pieces and we bury it. And our dog, a German short hair pointer by the name of Skoshi, Skoshi means little in Japanese and Skoshi was the run of the litter. He was a cool dog. Well, we bury Grover, life is good. We go to school, we get home and here comes Skoshi with the head of Grover in his mouth. And our mom says, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. It looks like Scotia has destroyed your dog. <laughs> if we can find all the pieces, I can sew it back together. And Jared and I are both like, no, please don't do that. So Trav and I, we finally just break down. We're like, no, please don't do that. We hate that doll. And we started to tell the story. And we told our mom how horrible and evil and just how terrified, just completely scared we were of this stupid little stuffed doll. And she felt horrible. She almost starts to cry because she goes, boys, I'm so sorry. Every night after you guys would go to bed and I'd tidy up your room, I'd see the Grover doll <laughs> turn to the wall and I would turn it back around. And when we moved... And they're the Grover doll. I always thought it wasn't in the toys. And so I made sure that it was in the toys because I thought you guys loved your Grover doll. And we're like, no, we hated that doll. We tried to leave it in Japan. We tried to leave it in California. We hated that doll. And she felt horrible. And we told her how we finally had had enough. And we, we had destroyed the Grover doll and had buried it. And Scotia had dug it up. So to this day... Grover has become kind of a uh, a little family joke, or when when Travis or I move to a new house or anything else, the uh, one of the new um, moving in gifts that we seem to receive is a brand new stuffed little Grover doll, which we hate. Grover, we dispose of him quickly. <laughs> We've received Grover dolls in the mail as gifts at Christmas on our missions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They would, people would mail us Grover dolls. I just barely had my birthday, and my little sister posted a meme on my Facebook page of Grover wishing me a happy birthday. <laughs> oh, hate Grover. So another story. Well, this is a, a series of stories, really. Jared and I loved fireworks. Well, this podcast is starting to become a little longer than what I'd originally anticipated. So I think we're going to move the fireworks stories to the next one. So stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, get out there and live your stories.